What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FriendlyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. It is April, and it snowed today in Cleveland. <laughs> so, happy spring. Yeah, it's uh, it's 40 down here. It's going to be 80 tomorrow, so I don't know what's going on with the weather. But uh, happy spring, happy Easter, and happy opening day to all you baseball fans out there. Uh, we are now five five days into the MLB season. Uh, opening day happening last Thursday. Uh, Indians already have wrapped up their first series against the Seattle Mariners, uh, dropping two out of the three games uh, to them. Uh, Chris, h- how excited are you that, that baseball is back? Oh, I'm super pumped because I, I got a season ticket package this year, so I'll be going to a lot of games. And uh, it, it, it's been an exciting, you know, really five years for the Tribe, ever since Terry Francona came. Uh, they've had uh, exceptional records. Um, they've been to the playoffs three times, back-to-back division champions, World Series trips. So high expectations here in Cleveland. But, yeah, I'm super excited. And I know people are a little down about the 1-2 and two record versus Seattle, especially when you send your top three guys to the mound. You only get one run for Kluber in a complete game, and and Bauer kind of struggled a little bit, labored through a couple innings, and and the Indians, you know, had the lead and let it slip away on Sunday. But in the end of the day, you just got to step back and remember, there's still 159 games left to play. Indians don't exactly start strong. This team historically has had tough sledding come April. So, so again, as long as they're at that 500 or a little bit above 500 at the end of this month, they'll be fine. And, you know, this you don't want to use the whole "it's a marathon, not a sprint" uh, cliche, but but it truly is. I mean, there, there's 159 games left, plenty of time. Uh, it's it's not the end of the world that they lost two out of three this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the Indians, you're right. Historically, have been a, a slow starting team under Terry Francona. Um, and just on a more personal level, Corey Kluber and Edwin Encarnacion are notorious slow starters, uh, and always improve month over month, uh, which is the way you want it. You know, you want to be playing your best baseball in the fall, not in April. So, um, yeah, not too concerned about that. I'm just glad that they're on the field, that they, uh, are relatively the same team, that we've seen win two straight central divisions. But, Chris, we, we have uh, a, a, f- a complete opening day roster to, to go over. Um, what what um, what, are, what are you making of the roster? Any surprising decisions to, to leave somebody off? No, nothing too shocking, to tell you the truth. Um, I know that there are some Yandy Diaz fans who might be a little disappointed that he was off the, the 25 man, but but not 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 stunning, not shocking. I don't think that there were any curveballs, to use a baseball term. Uh, a bunch of guys on the DL to start the season, so some guys on the roster who you know may or may not be on the roster very long, just given you know some of the injuries they have, you know, Giovanni Urshela, Michael Brantley, um, you know, Ryan Merritt and Danny Salazar. Danny Salazar, though, seems to have a permanent spot on the disabled list, it seems, every single year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, if those guys get healthy. Hopefully Brantley will be because uh, 
uh, I'm making him a bit of a marked man with that $12 million option. Uh, that, that, was, that was a lot to invest in a guy who's been a little inconsistent over the last couple of years and injured. Uh, so hopefully it'll work out. But, but as far as the roster construction goes, no real surprise. The, the, the five guys in the rotation were, were basically what we projected them to be. And uh, no, no real shakeups in the bullpen either. All, all the key arms uh, made it. And, and yeah, yeah, it was pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, look at this twenty-five man roster, and it's it's hard to um, it's hard to notice the differences between this roster and last year's roster. Obviously, uh, the biggest omission would be Carlos Santana, and, and follow that up with Brian Shaw, uh, and then some of the guys you mentioned that are on the disabled list. Um, but relatively speaking, this is the the same team that that we saw last season, um, and really the. You know, the core is still intact that went all the way to the World Series uh, two seasons ago. So um, not not too shocking, uh, any omissions. I mean, I, I was c- kind of surprised that Yandy Diaz was left off because when I look at the outfield, um, it's less than, uh, it's not very overwhelming um, who, who they have out there currently, especially with Michael Brantley um, on the 10-day disabled list. And, you know, he's already going to, be playing in minor league games next week so I, I think this is more of a very precaution uh taking a lot of caution with Michael Brantley as they ramp him up into the the heart of the season you know you don't want to uh, rush him back too soon but I, I get what you're saying with um you know they, they decide to bring him back and, and let Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce walk for relatively the same uh, amount of money year over year though I think Santana is making close to 20 million dollars a year um so yeah, uh, the, the roster isn't all too surprising. Um, Chris, that that being said, there, there aren't going to be many uh, surprises in our analysis of the roster, but uh, give us give us the biggest strength of, of the group and what is the area that is most concerning to you. Well, not to sound like a broken record from last year, but pitching is once again going to be the biggest strength. You know, last year, I think there were a few more concerns about the rotation because of Carrasco and Salazar's health. You know, flashback to 2016, the top three were Kluber, Carrasco, and Salazar was looked to be that number three guy. And when Salazar got hurt after starting 2016 really strong, there was a bit of a void there. And then Carrasco got hurt on a fluke thing. And Carrasco's still going to be their number two, don't get me wrong. But going into 2017, there were questions about can Carrasco stay healthy, and who's going to be the number three? Well, Trevor Bauer answered that question, stepping up huge in 2017 and still pitching relatively well on Sunday. Uh, and he got into a c- trouble a couple innings, and it caught up to him. But still, overall, an, an okay start. I think he'll be fine. The, the point is, the top of that rotation is a little more solidified from a health perspective, from a consistency perspective, than it was last year. And don't forget, Mike Clevenger also was, was huge in navigating those waters as some of the pitchers were dealing with injuries. Even Corey Kluber dealt with a bit of an injury for a couple weeks there. And, and, and Clevenger now anchoring that back end. And of course, Josh Tomlin, the, the Mr. Consistent, steady guy, uh, who's going to also be back there with Clevenger. 
So, so the starting rotation is going to be the strength of this team because even though Danny Salazar is, is hurt, even though Ryan Merritt is hurt, uh, the, the, the Indians have their deck of aces ready to go. And if Clevenger can take another step forward, that would just make this rotation a monster. Um, obviously, that would be icing on the cake, but he's certainly capable of doing it after, after having two strong seasons in the big leagues and improving uh, every step of the way. So, so the Indians have potentially the best rotation in baseball. And their bullpen, while they lost Brian Shaw uh, to free agency, They've retained the anchors, uh, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, still um, anchoring the backhand of that bullpen. And and then you you also have Tyler Olsen, a lefty who last year when he was with the Indians didn't allow a run. Uh, allowed his first couple runs against Seattle this weekend, but but still another strong six foot three left-handed arm out of that pen uh, should be looked to for some good things this year as well. So and and of course uh, Dan Otero, who's been very consistent over the last couple years uh, and was key in that World Series run as well. So so the bullpen is still maybe not as strong with Shaw and, and letting Joe Smith go, who they acquired in trade. But it's still a very formidable bullpen to complement one of the most dominant rotations in the majors. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, disagree with you. Uh, obviously, it starts with the starting pitching, two-time Cy Young winner, Corey Kluber, defending Cy Young winner. Uh, and then you got Carrasco as the number two, uh, Bauer as your number three, and, and Clevenger, who had a strong end of 2017. Uh, and, you know, Chris, we... we talked a couple times over the offseason he's he's an in-demand pitcher if the if the Indians want to make a trade he's he's young and uh, I think he has some room to grow as well so that's four uh, and then you throw in the potential uh, of Danny Salazar when healthy which uh, I believe it when I see it at this point Uh, but you know Josh Tomlin is a fine number five guy uh, and Ryan Merritt has shown the ability to spot start at times so um, obviously the starting pitching is uh, their biggest strength, and it might be the the deepest rotation uh, in all of baseball. Though we do have some teams going to six man rotations, but uh, I, I would take this Indians five man rotation over over just about any other rotation in, in baseball uh, for sure. Uh, and I agree with you, Chris. The bullpen pitching in general is just a strength. Uh, when you um, when your seventh inning guy is the the loss uh, to the bullpen, uh, I think we're in, we're in okay shape. You still have probably the most versatile reliever in all of baseball, and Andrew Miller. He can be your closer, your setup guy. He can also be your three inning long closer. Uh, can pitch against lefties and righties, and then you have your traditional closer in Cody Allen, an all star. Um, you know you don't. You can absorb the loss of Brian Shaw. I think Dan Otero, Zach McAllister, and Tyler Olson, as you said, will will step in and fill that seventh inning role, um, as will Nick Goody. Um, and, and I think there are some guys waiting in the wing that that may come up uh, and be uh, mid-season bullpen additions. I'm looking at one of the Indians' top prospects in Tristan McKenzie. I know they want him to be a starter, but he may you know come up mid-season and get some MLB seasoning with some relief innings uh they'll find a way to shore up that bullpen if brian shaw is a bigger loss than expected uh, either by a trade or, or calling up some of the young their young guys uh so chris that being said uh what's the weakness of this roster i don't think there's a true weakness because i think even its weakest point is still not bad i i think you got to say the offense there are some concerns there when you let a guy like santana I know Jay Bruce wasn't on the team the whole year, but he was still one heck of an addition when he got here come August. When you let those guys go, 
basically in favor of Michael Brantley, and Michael Brantley's already on the DL, um, that, that's concerning. Um, you know, it, It's refreshing to see Jason Kipnis healthy to start the year, looking solid in the infield and, and, and decent at the plate. So, so he's off to a good start. That's refreshing. But what, what, it, there, there are some question marks in the middle of that order. Now, Yonder Alonso uh, in the first weekend, uh, they, they, that was their kind of free agent answer for the first base conundrum. Hit a grand slam and has been uh, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good um, over the last, uh, well, three games, or the only three games they've played. Uh, so, so far, so good for Yonder. Let's see if they can, uh, obviously, if he can keep it up, that would be great. It would, it would answer some of those questions. But there's questions all over this, this sort of offense. I mean, obviously, at the top of the order, you got Lindor, you got Kipnis, you got Ramirez, you got Edwin. Those guys, we know what we're going to get. Who is going to step up and fill the void in the five, six spots that Santana and Bruce were so, you know, dominant in? You know, it's good to see Rajay Davis back, and he hit that one home run in the World Series, but historically, he's not a home run hitter. Uh, you know, Brandon Geyer is good against lefties, Lonnie Chisenhall generally against righties. We've joked about Lonnie Geyer before. If they were one player, they'd be amazing. Uh, so, so I could see a platoon there. But the guys you got to look at to step up and fill the void are the young ones. Tyler Naquin, can he get back to his 2016 Rookie of the Year form? He didn't win it, but he was in the conversation as a finalist. We'll see. Bradley Zimmer has the the measurables of a guy who could crush the ball, had a solid rookie year. Can he take that next step and sort of grow into some of the power that he has in that 6'5", super fast frame holding down center field? We'll see. But I think that's where you're going to look for some of the guys you know, so some of the replacement production is can these guys grow into their potential much in the way Lindor has and Jose Ramirez have over the last few years. Uh, so, so that would be the biggest question mark. And also when you look at catcher, Francisco Magia is on the 40-man roster. Better watch out. This guy can hit, has hit at every level. If he can be half of the defensive catcher that Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez is, his bat will stay in the lineup on a consistent basis because the two of them, not very consistent offensively. Excellent defensively, though. But, um, you know, obviously Mejia, if he can hit up here and still not be a liability behind the plate, um, he will find a way in this lineup. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Mejia, uh, the Indians' top-ranked prospect. Uh, we saw him a little bit at the end of the season last year. 22 years old uh, he's working out at third base as well uh because they see uh the you know the risk uh, uh defensively of putting him behind the plate not that he can't do it he has a great arm but um they think he could make the majors playing third base this year to get that bat in the lineup um w- which would cause an interesting cascade uh to the indians infield possibly pushing either jose ramirez or jason kipnis to the outfield Uh, And the outfield, for me, is the biggest concern uh, on this entire roster. I I look at the opening day roster. Obviously, Michael Brantley um, is on the DL, but the opening day roster is very much so underwhelming uh, and and have to get a progression, like you said, from Tyler Naquin or Bradley Zimmer. Otherwise, this offense will be, uh, you know, has the potential to be underwhelming. I think the infield... Ramirez, Kipnis, Lindor, and Alonzo uh, with Encarnacion as your first base DH. Those five guys are are your best hitters and probably your best players offensively. Um, and 
you know, they have a, a very solid infield, but this outfield of, of Chisholm, Geyer, Naquin, and Zimmer, it needs somebody to step up. And I'm looking at those young guys. Um, interesting fact, I don't know if you caught it during uh, the 10 o'clock broadcast of the Indians' first game against the Mariners. Uh, I caught about three innings worth before I fell asleep. Uh, but they're talking about Bradley Zimmer. He's the third fastest sprinter in the, all of MLB, uh, according to StatCast and Advanced Metrics. Uh, at 6'5", uh, he should be a power hitter, and he should be uh, a great base stealer. He's just got such a fast gait. So I'm looking at him out of all those guys to step up. Uh, I really hope that Michael Brantley, um, you know, they ease him back in and he stays healthy. I mean, he made the all-star team last season, kind of a head scratcher that he was included uh, in it. Not to say that he didn't have a, a bad first half, but it was, it wasn't uh, overly impressive. Um, but if he gets back to that form and is consistent, then the outfield will be better. If Bradley Zimmer improves, the outfield will be better. But really, I think the improvement in the outfield will come from either Francisco Magia coming up at third base and pushing, like I said, Ramirez or Kipnis to the outfield, or Yu Chen Chang coming in and starting at second base and moving Kipnis to the outfield. Uh, Chang and Magia are probably the most likely guys to get called up midseason. Uh, both have really good bats, uh, and I think they could uh, end up improving the outfield uh, by a cascading effect. Bob, you stole my thunder with Yu Chang because I saw him play at Double A Akron last year, and he hit the cover off the ball, man. He hit back-to-back doubles. Uh, th- this guy is is a solid bat, right-handed bat, playing short in Akron, but but obviously Lindor's got that on lockdown, so he would probably move the second, push someone to the outfield, either Kipnis or um, Ramirez. But yeah, no, I I, I agree 100. I I think if you're gonna look for the improvement to this offense, you got to target these young guys, Naquin, Zimmer, Magia, Chang, and Yandy Diaz. Let's throw him in there as well because Diaz has the frame of a guy who could crush the ball. And honestly, based on exit velocity, he should have hit a home run by now, Bob. It's kind of crazy. I think I read a stat somewhere saying that this guy has been one of the most unluckiest hitters from a home run perspective um, in all of baseball last year. So so it was kind of crazy that Diaz didn't have a home run. Uh, certainly a lot of potential in those five guys. If they could get two of them to hit, that would be great. Even one would be would be nice. But, Bob, like, like best-case scenario, you get four of them to hit, now that would be, be just off-the-charts awesome. But um, certainly a ton of potential to go around. And based on the recent developments of, you know, Lindor, Ramirez, and, and, Brett, and, and, and Zimmer had a good rookie year last year. No reason to think that he can't keep that up and, and keep going. If I'm going to put my money on any one of these guys, I would say Zimmer because he came up last year, looked really comfortable offensively, defensively. You mentioned his elite speed. He's got the elite frame to mash it. I think he will take a step forward. It's just a matter of whether or not they'll get one of those other four guys to join him. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I think um, that is the most likely outcome. It's worth noting that before that wrist injury, you know, Zimmer was struggling a little bit, but most rookies rookies do struggle uh, heading into the end of the season. Um, hopefully that wasn't a trend and uh, he's able to progress further. Um, I, I do agree with you, though. He is probably the most promising for 2018 to, to take a step forward. Um, you know, he... The Indians had a lot of faith in him. They they chose him over uh, the 
other outfielder, I can't think of his name, that they traded for Andrew Miller. Um, and, and hopefully Clint he Frazier. will start to – Yeah, Clint Frazier. Um, hopefully he will begin to deliver. So, Another interesting development, just real quick. Uh, Eric Gonzalez, Giovanni Urshela, and Ryan Merritt, all guys that we've been kind of waiting on a little bit. They're out of options this year, and two of them are on the DL – That'll be interesting when, when the Indians have to make some big roster decisions. They can't just store those guys in Columbus anymore. So, so it will be interesting to see what will happen if they are forced to choose between one of those three guys and another prospect. Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, you know, you're talking about two utility infielders and a, and a spot starter. Um, you, they, they've been useful in pinches in the past, but um, none of them have really taken a step forward to, to be a full-time starter, um, but it does put them in, in an interesting situation when, when those guys do return. I would say of the three, Geo's had the most opportunity to stick, and he's gotten a lot of playing time in the bigs. Merritt, Merritt certainly has had his chances here and there, but I, I don't think they ever committed to him full-time in the rotation. They just haven't been able to. They've had so many good arms. Um, not, not making excuses for any of them, but uh, it'll be interesting because these are guys that – that in previous years have been looked to, they've been the guys, hey, can we get their full potential out? Um, maybe we have, and, and this is just what they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't see Gonzalez or Urshela moving past utility infielder, nor do I see Merritt. Um, you know, he throws in the upper 80s uh, uh, from the left side. Um, I don't I don't think the Indians are, are too committed to him either, so... Um, I think they're at the end of their line. We'll probably see one of them or two of them uh, get claimed on waivers. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there is a possibility that like Merritt would accept an assignment to the minors, but I don't. I don't really see the Indians making a lot of moves just to to keep them on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that. There are other guys that they are certainly more committed to. Uh, San Lazar is one of them. Another guy down that we haven't mentioned yet, Sean Morimondo. Uh, he's only had one game. He started that game after the 18-inning the thing. He came all the way up from Akron because they used so many um, <laughs> pitchers uh, against Toronto. And I think that was 2016. Uh, he, he was in Akron for a while. He's six-foot left-hander. Um, so so another another kind of solid prospect down there in Columbus for them to go to so yeah the the Indians have plenty of options this is, this is a good position to be in when when you're going this far down the roster and talking about guys who can contribute that is the the makeup of a team that is poised for a postseason run because you need depth as we've seen the last few years man nothing goes according to plan the Indians always deal with injuries just like any other team you've got to have the depth to absorb it yeah certainly well, Chris, what is your prediction for the 2018 Cleveland Indians? Well, I think it would be a disappointment if they didn't win the Central. I, I, I look at the division. I think the Twins are getting there. They, they won the wild card last year. Paul Molitor did a fantastic job. They're young. I, I think the Twins will be a force in a, in a year or two. I, I think they'll still be in the, in the conversation this year. But, but not quite there. I think the Royals will be more peskier than people think. I think the White Sox have a lot of prospects, but they're a few years away, and the Tigers are kind of entering that tear-it-down mode. So I think right now with those other four teams kind of in a bit of a flux, the Indians are the surest bet in this division. I think it would be a disappointment if they did not win the Central. So I expect them to win the Central division for the third straight year and be in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, on paper, the Indians are probably a little bit worse in terms of talent than they were last year. 
Um, but that being said, the, the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers are all in uh, rebuild mode. I, I think certainly the Tigers and White Sox are, and uh, the Royals um, just seem to be further and further removed from that World Series winning team uh, as they saw a couple more uh, free agents leave this season. So that rules out three. The Twins are up and coming. They can certainly, I, I think they will, you know, push the Indians, but come come fall, come September, uh, the Indians will, will pull away with this division. I think they'll certainly uh, win the AL Central, and if they don't, it'll be a, a huge disappointment because this division, uh, looking at, at some of the other divisions uh, in the major leagues, this division uh, is relatively easy to, to win, uh, and the Indians should, should uh, have no problem doing that. Yeah, this division will should be in the running for weakest in, in baseball. Um, I, I think this and the NL East are, are probably fighting for that title. Just depends. I mean, there could be some surprise teams, so we don't know what we're getting on some of these teams. Even the Twins, who kind of three years ago took a step forward, took a step back, so they're still finding their footing, kind of like the Indians were from 2013 to 2015. So I think the Twins are in, in the final phase of their build mode and this year we'll see if they can maintain some consistency. I agree with you, Bob. I think they will push the Indians, but I do think they're just they're still a year away from being a consistent contender. Well, uh, so we have the Indians uh, making one playoff position. Do you want to make some other uh, American League postseason predictions? It wouldn't be an MLB preview podcast, Bob, if we did not <laughs> stick our necks out and and ultimately find ourselves humiliated <laughs> well uh you know america well let's see let's see if we agree i i feel like we might have a lot of consensus consensus picks uh for our predictions but starting in the al east who do you have coming out of that i don't want to say it but, but you can't pick against the yankees and the red Sox. i, I think one will win the division the other will get a wild card uh you can flip a coin as to which i, I do think it'll be a fun rivalry for those of you who enjoy that for me I'm disappointed that that they're the favorites because I like it when the Orioles and the Rays and the Blue Jays shut them out of the playoffs. But I don't think that's happening this year. I think both of them are pretty loaded, and I think that they will both make the postseason. I mean, both teams didn't really give up much. Uh, The Red Sox won 93 games last year, and the Yankees won 91. Then the Yankees add NL MVP John Collar Stanton, uh, and the Red Sox added J.D. Martinez. So uh, it's hard to see the Rays, Blue Jays, or Orioles overcoming either of those two uh, loaded teams. I think the Yankees are probably going to win this division just because they have the pitching, the bullpen, uh, and obviously that star-studded middle of the lineup. Uh, but the Red Sox will be right behind him uh, w- with a wild-card spot. I agree with you. Um, One sleeper team in that division, I think, is the Blue Jays. I think if Josh Donaldson is healthy, they, they, they have some talent. Last year, things went a little awry. They could surprise. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. Yeah, uh, I know. I know Donaldson has a shoulder injury already, uh, and Tulowitzki is on the sixty-day DL with a heel injury. So I'm not so 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 sold on them as you are. But um, I think if any of those other three AL East teams were to win a wild card or win the division, it would be the Blue Jays. Yeah, I agree. And and for the record, I said they were a sleeper. They they might sleep, but if they wake up, it could get interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, 
Okay, so moving from that to the AL West, who's coming out of that one? I mean, you can't go against the defending champs. They're young. They've got a great offense. they got a great rotation. they got a solid bullpen. Uh, yeah, the Astros are going to win that division. I think the interesting part is who's going to win that second wild card because I, I think there, there could be some fun races for that second wild card. Uh, Angels, Mariners, and Twins are my three candidates for that number two wild card. And I'm... <sighs> I, I grimace because I feel like I pick them every year and they always let me down. So I'm not going to do it. But I don't want to pick the Angels either because they always let down. But anyway, I, I got the Astros winning the division. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no doubt. I was trying to buy some time there. I was hoping you'd talk about the second wild card. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I can talk. I'm just, I, I, I'm just messing Yes, I, I can take over here. <laughs> um, definitely the Houston. I mean, they are... World Series favorites. I believe they're tied with the Dodgers in terms of Vegas odds. Uh, they got better. They have Verlander for a whole year, uh, and he had a, a very fine start to the season. So uh, be a fool not to pick them. Uh, and, Chris, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you're, the, the Twins, the, the Angels, the Mariners are, are all in contention for this, but I'm going with the Los Angeles Angels. I like the additions that they made. They obviously have Mike Trout. Uh, pitching will be uh, their Achilles heel if uh, they don't make the postseason, but I think they have enough to to win that last wild card spot. Otani, don't sleep on him. He can do everything. Better watch out. He's going to win the Cy Young and MVP, Bob, and Rookie of the Year. First player ever to do that. I hey. think maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's. I'll go. You know what? I'm going with the Angels. I'm, I'm gonna. I know. I know it's the same as you, but I, I also like the additions they made, and and they're good. I feel like this pick's gonna bite me though. I, I don't know which of these three is gonna do it, cause cause they all have kind of flaws. You know what I mean? That none none of them's a sure thing. I, I, Seattle's been the team I've been harping on for two years now, and they've let me down. So they'll probably make it now that I've picked the Angels. Yeah. I'm- <laughs> I, I feel like I, I picked the Mariners a lot in, in the past as well. So um, the Angels, they're you know they they just needed like a few more wins every year. They're not they've never been awful, but they just never have succeeded uh, in, in winning like the extra ten games that separates the the middle of the pack with with the playoff team. So I, I think with the additions they'll be able to do that. Actually, you know what, Bob? I'm going to change my pick to Seattle, and here's why. In 2017, Seattle made more roster moves and used more players than any other team in the majors. They were crushed by injuries, and they still almost made the playoffs. I think if they have a half of the luck they had with injuries, they'll be there. So I'm officially switching from Los Angeles to Seattle. I think this is the year Seattle won't let me down. All right, okay. Also, I believe they uh, won more one-one game, one-run games last year than any other team. So maybe that will help you as well. Um, moving to the National League, though, the NL East. Who do you have coming out of there? I got the Nationals in the East. I think this is an easy one. I don't think this division is very strong. Like I said earlier, it's going to fight with the Central to be the worst division in all of sports. I mean, not all sports, all of baseball. Um, but. I will say, if there's one team that will rise up, it would be a healthy New York Mets team because they are not that far removed from having 
everybody being everyone's darling with an awesome rotation. And Mickey Callaway is a great pitching coach, as we saw here in Cleveland. If anyone can get the most out of this rotation, it's him, their new manager, obviously. So I'm going to say the Mets are my sleeper pick to sneak in as a wild card. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if healthy, the Mets may have the best give the Indians running for the best rotation uh, in all of baseball, but um, they have not been able to do just that over the past two seasons uh, since they, they made the World Series. But I, I do like that pick. Uh, obviously, the Nationals are head and shoulders favorites to win this division. I don't know if... I don't see any other team winning a wild card in this division. Uh, I, I do like the Mets. Health is a concern. The Phillies were big spenders in, in the offseason. They're probably one of a few teams that, that's made some splurges with Jake Arrieta and Carlos Santana, to name a couple. So um, they, they could accelerate their rebuild uh, and make a run for it. But uh, they, they have been bad for so long, I just can't really – uh, pick them without seeing some of the growth of their young players. Yeah, yeah. The Phillies are an intriguing team, just the way they spent in the offseason after being kind of down in the dumps for the last couple of years. So so that'll be interesting to watch. A team I know will not be doing anything is the Miami Marlins. No. They have a, they have a severe interest in not winning. <laughs> they have Derek Jeter, seen, though. Yeah, he's... Uh, I don't know. Don't get me started on. I I all right. First off, he to call him a team owner is like uh, I don't know. I it's, if I bought stock in Apple right now, calling me uh, I own Apple. He he owns like a percent of the Marlins. You no, know, yeah. I, I mean, his ownership stake is not huge. He he is running the show there, though. They they put him in charge of everything. I think. Yeah, which. Yeah, well, it's the Marlins. I mean, of course, they'd do something stupid like that. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay, Chris, let's move to the NL Central. Who do you have coming out there? Going to be interesting. This is going to be an interesting division. I'm going to stick with the Cubs, albeit a little reluctantly. They lost a little bit, but um, you Darvish, I think, will help them. I- I'm going to go with a consistent team. I think Chicago will be back in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think the Cubs are the favorite. Um, they replaced Jake Arrieta with you, Darvish. I, I think that's a slight upgrade. Um, Arrieta has been regressing over the past couple of years. Darvish can still be dominant. Uh, their bullpen is, is a concern. Uh, they don't really have a closer. They're trying to make Brandon Morrow uh, earn that job, um, who you know he converted from a starter a few years ago into relief. So. Um, that would be a concern, but I still think they're just way too talented with their offense lineup and uh, the top end of their rotation to, to not win this division. Do you have any wild cards from the Central? I don't. It, it pains me not to choose St. Louis because they've been so consistent, but but I, I don't see another team coming out. See, I think the Cardinals uh, will do that. I, I like the Marcel Ozuna addition in the, via the Marlins fire sale, um, and I just think that they – you know, they don't stay down too long, uh, so I think uh, St. Louis will win a wild card. Ooh, that's the first one we've clashed on. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, all right, now the NL West. Who do you have coming out of here? 
Well, I, I can't pick against the Dodgers. They've spent like $200 million on their payroll, and they have the best pitcher in baseball, arguably. Um, and, and, by the way, they were in the World Series last year. Exciting young rookie. So I, I think they will win the division again. I'm torn, though. I like the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the San Francisco Giants went out and made some moves. Evan Longoria, Andrew McCutcheon, Austin Jackson. I mean, they 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 spent out of control last year, and Pablo Sandoval's back with the team. Um, you know, <laughs> if Madison Bumgarner can stay healthy, I think that this team has a legitimate ace. And 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 Johnny Cueto, maybe he's a little bit better than he was last year. They've got the name power to make a run. I'm just not sold on them. I think San Francisco's kind of in trying to desperately get back to what they once were. I think Arizona's the breakout team, and I'm going to stick with them to return to the postseason. Yeah, you know how the some people were calling the, the Cavs at the start of the season the 2011 All-Stars because of some of the names right. they brought in? I, I think the Giants are like the 2012 MLB All-Stars with Longoria, McCutcheon, uh, Austin Jackson. Um, six years ago, if they brought those guys in, I think they would be – favorites to win the world series but um we, we've seen some regression with mccutcheon and longoria and austin jackson had a fine season with cleveland last year but he's not the uh versatile threat that he was with detroit um so i i'm not uh sold on the giants i think they i agree with you they're desperate to win the post to make the postseason uh hence those moves but i don't think it's going to do much to win a wild card spot because first off the dodgers are definitely going to win this division uh, they're loaded, uh, and they should make a deep run in the postseason. I like the Diamondbacks, though, and even even the Rockies. I mean, we saw them go uh, down the wire. I think both those teams are still just that in tw- in 2018. The names that they have are, are just better than the Giants. Uh, but I like the Diamondbacks because they have they have the pitching. They have uh, Paul Goldschmidt, one of the best hitters in all of baseball, and, and, a, and a very good lineup. Even Despite the loss of J.D. Martinez, I, I like them to win the wild card. I agree. And J.D. Martinez was a midseason addition, too. So losing him, I mean, certainly hurts, but um, they only had him for a couple months. So it's not like he was he was there all year. Yeah, certainly. I, I do think the NL has some has more intriguing outcomes than, than the AL. Like we mentioned the Mets, the Phillies. I didn't mention the Brewers. Uh, I think they... You know, they made a surprise run last year pushing the Cubs in the NL Central. I think they've improved with some of their additions. Now, obviously, we talked about four teams in the NL West potentially making the postseason. So uh, a lot more diversity in the National League. The American League, as it has been over the past couple of years, uh, looks to be um, very top-heavy. And the Pirates are 4-0, and Bob, to start the season. We didn't even talk about them. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just messing around. No, no, Garrett Cole. No. Yeah. That, that's probably that, not going to last. But we said that about Milwaukee for about three months, and it lasted. I was pulling for them hardcore in September to keep the Cubs out of the postseason. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, uh, we have our potential post predicted postseason set. Uh, let's make a World Series pick. Who do you have in it? Who do you have winning it? Well, I, I got to be a homer. I, I think the Indians will win it um, because I, I just – I feel like they, they need to because they're they're so close, and, and after this year there are some questions, and, and who knows if they'll get back. So so I think the Indians will win it. 
And I think that they will beat... I always pick them. They always let me down. But but I think the Washington Nationals will finally, finally, finally not let me down and and get to the World Series. I know I know the DC fans have been have been agonized every single postseason. Something seems to go wrong. I think this is the year things go right for them. Yeah. I, so the Indians, the Indians should have won in 2016, up three one. They should have done it. The Indians' best chance at winning was last season. They were just so good, uh, and it's a, a true shame and embarrassing that they lost in the division series. Uh, that that makes me think that the Indians will still be great. Uh, I, I think they'll win the division, but I think the apex of this roster may have been last season, and, and it pains me to say it. I think they'll be good for some time uh, and have chances to win pennants and make postseason runs, but the closest thing to a sure thing of them winning the World Series was last season uh, with that roster, with the way they were playing midseason. I don't think they're going to return to the World Series. I think they, their peak, they, they've, they're on the other side of their peak, and Houston uh, is continuing to ascend. I think Houston uh, is just way too good against any other American League team. I think they're going to return to the World Series Um I, I don't want to say the Dodgers are going to make it because that's such a boring, uh, you know, prediction of, of basically the 20 of the 2017 world series. Uh, so for differences sake, I suppose I will choose, uh, the nationals as well. And I think Houston is going to win their second straight world series. So hear me out for just a second. After 2016, everyone was saying it's the tribe, it's the tribe. And they were overwhelmingly good and they lost and, and they won with a weaker roster. And then after that weaker roster, they went out and got Edwin, and they lost. And now the Yankees kind of overachieved with a weaker roster, went out and got a guy. And and the Astros kind of went out and got a guy. I, I'm still sticking with the Indians. And here's what, it just reminds me of that 96 letdown. People forget how good the 96 Indians were. And the expectations for the 97 Indians were not as high because they traded Kenny Lofton. And, and a lot of stuff happened. But they went there. And, and I, I just think that baseball is one of those sports where, you know, the, the best team doesn't always win. And, and we saw that again last year. And so, so I, I still have a lot of hope for the Indians. I think that they will win. I'm not saying you don't, Bob. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't have hope. And, and I'm not saying the Astros are a bad pick because uh, they're certainly going to be formidable. But I think the Indians are going to ride the lightning and win the championship. Oh, yeah, I hope you're right. I, I certainly... You know, I have them in the division. I don't think that they're not going to have a chance to do so. Uh, but if I'm making a pick in April, I'm putting my money on Houston uh, over anyone else in the American League. Justin Verlander ruined the Astros for me. I would have enjoyed that World Series so much more if he wasn't on the team. <laughs> you, you just don't like him? Not a fan. Not a fan. Hmm. He's been the face of Detroit for all these years, and then he gets to get out of jail free card when they get bad. I didn't like that. I mean, it's not like he... No, no, yeah, they traded him. I'm <laughs> saying that, but they traded him to a team that went to win the World Series two months after he traded him. It's like, come on, man. I wanted him to stay in Detroit forever and never win a World Series. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have as much of a negative opinion on Verlander. Um, it's kind of 
cool to see him get traded and, and win a World Series. So. See, I, I, I don't think it was cool. I feel the exact – what you felt about that is the opposite of what I felt about that. All I've right. never met him. I like. I, I don't know what he's like. He could be the nicest guy in the world. I have no idea. I just don't like him because he was always beating the Indians and had that stupid grin and stuff like that. And I always cheered against him. I, I don't. Not a fan. He's just just a rival. Nothing personal. All right. Well, baseball is back. Uh, I know there's snow on the ground. Uh, in the northeast and it snowed in cleveland uh but that means summer is coming it will get warm at some point but chris that also means that we are approaching nba postseason play and the Cavs have five games left on their roster and have just a game lead over philadelphia for the third seed in the east uh chris how important is it to you that the indians excuse me not the Indians, we just talked about the Indians, that the Cavaliers uh, finish third uh, in, in the Eastern Conference as opposed to fourth or fifth because uh, the Pacers are also, I believe, a game and a half behind the Cavs for that third seed. Yeah, minor correction, Philadelphia half game, Indiana a full game. So so three teams separated by one game for the third seed. Uh, the drop-off between Indiana and Washington, who's sixth, is four games. So it's going to be those five teams in the top five and it's really just three for five up for grabs. Though Boston's making a charge at the one seed, only two games out. That That's interesting. Anyway, I think it's important that the Cavs have home court in the first round. They obviously cannot get home court in the second round because they're locked out of the top two spots. Boston and Toronto will get those in some order. I think it's important that they start on their home floor for the first round. If they fall all the way to five, they'll have to go on the road the entire playoffs. I don't care how good you are. That's really tough to do. So I think the Cavs, I, I don't think there's much of a difference between three and four, but I think, because you're going to have to go through Boston and Toronto anyway, who cares what the order is, I, I think there is a big difference between four and five, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they 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 need uh, home court for the opening round, and they, they need you know a relatively easy opponent in that first round. And unfortunately, the East has some, some challenging foes, uh, in that bottom half, you know, depending on where they finish, it could be anywhere from the Bucks, Heat, or Wizards. Um, no, no three of those are, those three teams aren't exactly cakewalks. Um, it's not like years past where where the first round has been easy. So I think home court for a Cavs team that's still trying to find their footing uh, it would be very important. Um, looking at the schedules for the Cavs, Pacers, and Sixers. So the Cavs have five games left. Raptors, Wizards, Sixers, Knicks, Knicks for the Cavs. Pacers have Nuggets, Warriors, Raptors, Hornets, Hornets. Then the Sixers have six games left with the Nets, Pistons, Cavs, Mavs, Hawks, and Bucks. So the Sixers, uh, winners of 10 straight in a row, despite losing Joel Embiid for a little bit, seem to have a, a much easier schedule uh, down the stretch. They're playing some bottom feeders and the Nets and the Mavs and the Hawks. Um, but obviously that game against uh, Cleveland uh, is one to circle. Uh, I think the Sixers have the easiest path heading into the end of the season. And the Cavs have some difficult foes uh, until they get to that back-to-back series against the Knicks. So uh, I think it's all in the, up in the air. I mean, you're separated by just a game and you could be in the fifth seed. Uh, that That is not ideal. Uh, Chris, what, what do you think is the likely outcome? 
Well, it's tough to say because even though the Sixers have that easy schedule, Joel Embiid will not be playing until the playoffs because he's missed two to four. He's going to miss two to four weeks. He might miss the first round of the playoffs depending on how severe that that injury is. So, so his time frame is still kind of up in the air. Uh, without him, they are a much different team. I will say the one bright side of the Cavs falling to the four seed is it guarantees they do not face a healthy Milwaukee with Giannis or a Wizards team that's getting healthy if John Wall's on the floor and, and whatnot. So so that would be the bright side is that I think if they fall to four, they're guaranteed Philly, either Indiana, who I think would be an easier opponent, or a potentially Joel Embiid-less 76ers squad. So there could be a silver lining there if they fall to four. Yeah, or you know, even if they fall to five, right, they would then face that four team. So, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, the Cavs, usually at this point, they're kind of comfortably in that second seed <laughs> over the past two uh, over the past few years. Um, this season, though, they, they, it's still not set. The, the Celtics and Raptors obviously are uh, in control of those top seeds, but um, it, it'll be interesting how it plays out. I mean, the, the Cavs are accustomed to a, a kind of easy first round. Um, I don't think it'll be the case this year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it's Washington, that's a chippy rivalry. Um, if it's the Bucks, that would be the worst case scenario because I don't think anyone wants to face Giannis in the first round. Uh, that that's the team I don't want to face is Milwaukee. I, I think the Wizards, while they would still be pesky, um, are are you know more bark than bite at this point. Just way too inconsistent for my taste. Um, but you know the, the the Bucks are the team I really want to avoid, and I hope get shoved down Boston or Toronto's throat in the first round. Yeah. That is, eh, they could make it all the way up to the sixth seed, you're right. Or they could, you know, if things fall apart, they could just miss miss out completely. The, the Pistons have won five in a row. That, that so would be knows? tough. They got to lose out and the Pistons have to win out because they're four games separated then. So I don't, yeah. I don't think the Bucks are going to miss. Never say never. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying never. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's it's going to happen. I think the, the top eight is going to be the top eight because I, I just have no confidence in Detroit winning uh, four straight. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it certainly will. Uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see it play out. Um, the, the way the Cavs have played, I have, I have no clue what, what they're going to do. I could easily see them winning five in a row. I could see them winning, losing all five. So, um I, I really don't know at this point. Cavs are eight and two in their last ten. Even though they've looked really bad in some of their games, they they have won eight out of ten. The Sixers have fair. won ten though. Yeah, and Pacers are seven and three. So, I mean that's that's fair. You're right. They they have struggled in those ten games, but for the majority, they have won won them, come out on top. Um, so yeah, we, we will have to see. All those chips will fall, I believe, next week, Bob. That's kind of crazy, man. The NBA playoffs are just a week away, so that'll be fun to see if the Cavs will 
clinch that third seed or if they'll have to still be in a fight. I don't know. What it will, I'm betting next week we're still going to have some uh, unresolved uh, NBA playoff seeds uh, both in the East and the West, but we'll find out on our next episode of Clee Talk. Thank you for listening to Clee Talk presented by FinleyRoadSports.com. If you want to catch up on all our old episodes, please check us out at FinleyRoadSports.com. You can listen to our episodes there. Subscribe via iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper right-hand corner or by searching Fenley Road Sports in iTunes and click Clay Talk. It's just that simple. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. And thank you for being part of Clay Talk. Come back next week and every week where we talk Cleveland sports. We'll have more Cavs, Indians, Browns, and Buckeyes talk. See what's going on in the world of sports. But until then, go Cavs, clinch this thing, and go Tribe. Happy opening day. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.